Father, today we just want to ask you, Lord, that you would uh, reveal to us the things that we need to know for our individual lives. Uh, Lord, you know where different ones are at who are watching this video. Lord, you know the needs that they have. God, you know um, everything about them. And Father, we know that you are aware of our prayers before we even pray them. And so, Lord, this morning we just submit to you, God, knowing all of our stuff. But Father, we just pray that you would lead us and guide us. Lord, that we would be patient with the things that you are doing in our hearts and in our lives. That we would submit to the process and be humble so that we could be uh, those who would grow under your leadership. So Father, help us, Lord. We often rebel, Lord. Sometimes we even rebel in your name thinking we're doing it for you. But God, you can truly judge the motives of our heart. So Lord, do that as a loving father today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Well, it is interesting that uh, I am clearing my throat this morning because uh, this week, uh, our youngest one, Archer, has been falling asleep to a preacher by the name of Chuck Misler, um, who I'm quite a fan of, uh, but I didn't show him Chuck Misler. Somehow he heard it on an old maybe an old device of mine or something. But Archer said this week that you know that somebody is about to preach the gospel when they go <clears throat> and clear their throat. So now he thinks that if anyone clears their throat, because that's what Chuck Misler does and that's what I've done, uh, he thinks that's when they're about to preach the gospel. Um, so we're actually going to go back to the book of Ephesians today. Uh, last year we were in the book of Ephesians for some time and uh, we are going to go back into the book of Ephesians. And um, it's actually quite important for us to preach through the books of the Bible occasionally. Uh, it's good for us to be locked into a rhythm of what the scripture says and follow what it's saying in that passage of scripture. Otherwise, what tends to happen is that I, like any other preacher, will have a few favorite topics. Uh, I might love the grace of God. I might uh, enjoy uh, end times or eschatology or whatever my uh, hobby horse might be. And so I may end up cherry picking scriptures and looking at different passages that really reinforce uh, something that's quite easy for me to preach. But when we preach through the books of the Bible, we are locked into reading it the way God has allowed us to receive his scripture. And so we are back there again. We are in chapter three. Uh, and I will admit, this is something that I found a little bit, uh, maybe just a little bit more clunky, something that I wouldn't normally highlight as a, a sermon, which I think is good. So let's submit to that this morning and see what the Word of God has to say. Now, if you remember back to last year, those of you who uh, had listened in, the very first, chap uh, first chapter and the second chapter of Ephesians are really the crescendo almost of the entire Bible. If you want a pick-me-up, if you want to be encouraged in your faith, uh, I would challenge you to lock in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Ephesians. I don't know how you could read those two chapters and not be encouraged. So those first two chapters of Ephesians are really there to build you up. They are God reminding you who you are in Christ. And so those first two chapters are positional in nature. Uh, they show you your position in God. They want to point you to a future hope. 
They want to remind your heart that Jesus is all you need. Uh, We don't need some other comfort that is coming uh, in the future. Uh, We don't need the freedoms that we think we want in our heart, even though in our humanity we need them. What we truly need is Christ, and that's it. And so if you go back and you read chapter 1 and chapter 2, they are really the Mount Everest of the Scriptures. Uh, But So today we find ourselves remembering that in its context, chapter 3, um, chapter 3 is really about the global church. It is about the idea of God's plan. Uh, the, the idea that, that God has taken his time throughout the course of history to reveal his plan. And he revealed his mystery, this secret, to the Apostle Paul. Uh, and so we're going to read a little about that this morning. Let's start from uh, just the tail end of chapter 2. Because uh, I believe that context is very important. So from verse 19. It says, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now let's keep going on. Uh, one, chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. For this reason, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Uh, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in, uh, sorry, by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. This is the mystery of God. See, we've got the context there at the end of chapter 2, that really God was reconciling all of creation. Uh, God acknowledges that that since, since sin entered the world, that there has been death and chaos and disruption. Uh, That is exactly what God said would happen if Adam and Eve were to take of the fruit. And so then that happened. But that wasn't the final message. Now here we see that the mystery of God is being revealed. That God is reconciling. That God is building and gathering together a family from all over the earth. Uh, And we who believe in God are a part of that family. It says that uh, that structure that God is building will grow into a holy temple in the Lord and that you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. See, we we actually miss some of the idea uh, or the nuance of when the Bible says a temple. What does that even mean for us? See, one of the things that Aussies do is we sort of say, you know, church is not about a building. 
Uh, church is not about religion. It's about relationship. And that is absolutely true. So I know at least in my mind, when I think of a temple, I think of an old stuffy building full of rules and religious practices. But this was not the picture people were getting in the scripture. It wasn't about a building where they would go and comply uh, with the rules and regulations. It was actually a place that they could go and interact with the very presence of God. So a temple in their mind was an incredible relief from the pain and devastation of their everyday life. To have this temple, to commune with God, was to experience life itself. And this is the mystery of God. That God is actually building us together as a church, both as individuals and corporately. We are the place where the presence of God interacts with a broken world. That is what we are to be really excited about. That uh, This is the mystery. So we see three things I want to look at this morning. Uh, One, that there is a mystery. I don't know about you, but I think, why would God hold on to such a secret for so long? I know some of you can't hold a secret for five minutes, and yet God held this secret. God took his time. See, we see the hand of God through the passage of time. We see that God is orchestrating events through history, uh, that God, um, that there was prophecies, that God gave the prophets and the apostles to, to forecast what would happen to give his people hope, that they weren't to terminate all of their hope on the here and now, but they were to look to the, the promise of God, uh, the future that they have, this mystery. So why would God hold on to such a secret for such a long time? Uh, I don't know about you, but I think of that scripture that says that God is not slow concerning his promises, but he's patient. And sometimes that feels like God is just splitting hairs. Like why wouldn't God just reveal everything now straight away? Uh, And it's important for us to know that while we may not be able to answer that question, uh, we can see some insight into the nature of God. One of my uh, personal frustrations with my own heart and with those that I interact with is that we t- we expect God to accomplish too much in too short an amount of time. You know, we want to be these people who have wisdom, who know the word, who understand what it is to trust God for our sense of peace. But we want it by the end of this week. Uh, we want to hear one crack a sermon and we just want to be on fire for God and, and, and transformed into his image. And yet we would be better to be patient with the plan of God, to trust that everyday faithfulness, a little bit each day over 50 years will add up to uh, somebody who is being transformed into the very nature of God. You know, we may not be able to see it day to day, And we may get frustrated with ourself and our lack. We may get even annoyed at God if we're honest with ourselves. Why why aren't things going faster? Why why don't you answer? And the scripture is full of such questioning. And yet we see that over the passage of time, when you reflect back, you see the hand of God. And so it would do our hearts well to not be in such a hurry, to not be in such a rush, 
because God is patient and you and I have no power to hurry God up. We have no ability to say, come on, God, get your act together, make it happen. We must submit and trust for God's perfect timing. So the first thing is that there is a mystery. The second is that Paul is given a revelation of the mystery. And the third is that there is an integration into the body of Christ. This this incredible body of Christ, this temple that God is building, is available to all. And that uh, was something that wasn't known back when Paul was writing this. So let's look at a couple of things. In verse 1, Paul says, For this reason. Now, if I haven't recapped this already well enough, uh, for this reason. Now, the reason was that God is building a holy temple. You know, think of such verses that that talk about the, the vision of the presence of God being all over the earth. That the very presence of God, that the glory of God would fill the earth. What an amazing day that would be. And I tell you that the glory of God will fill the earth with more potency and more power than even this corona uh, virus. Um, I'm not actually meant to call it a virus in this house. I'm meant to call it a scam. That's not because I believe it's a scam, but because we don't want that fear in our kids. And so I will be getting a punch from my younger son afterwards. So what, what does Paul do? Paul is able, because of this mystery that's been revealed to him, Paul is able to step back and he's able to see the bigger picture. Um, he's able to see the larger picture of what God was doing. And he, as a result, is able to keep his eyes focused. Uh, it actually allowed him to work very hard while being very patient. Uh, and what happens in us is sometimes we do one or the other. Uh, we can either just go, you know what, I'm going to work for God. I'm so passionate. I'm so excited. I've got so much zeal that what we can do is we can just work, 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 work. Uh, We can just go and go and go and go and go. Uh, And Paul certainly did that. Paul was a goer. Paul was a worker. This was an apostle like no other. He was an incredible guy gifted by God. But we actually see Paul here being patient. He has found the sweet spot between advance, gospel advance, and gospel rest. He knows how to do both. He knows that wherever God leads him is where he's meant to be. You know, he actually trusted that those who were in authority, as the scripture says, are in authority, whether they're godly or not, they are in authority to enact the plan of God. That's what they are there for. And so we see him saying this beautiful uh, phrase here. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He was, in reality, he was a prisoner of Nero. Uh, He was uh, captured in a Roman prison by a Roman ruler. And yet, what does he say in his letter to the Ephesians? He says, I, Paul, uh, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. See, he's acknowledging that if this is where he is, if he has found himself in prison, then it must be for a reason. See, God is sovereign, and Paul knew that. God is in control of all of history, all of the events, uh, whether they are allowed 
or whether they are done, enacted by God, uh, is a mystery in some part to us. But Paul is saying that I am here because of Jesus Christ. And sometimes I think what we do is we, you know, we, we go to church and that's the place where we want to get the electric zap. We sort of want that electricity to run through us and we want to feel all the feels. And we want to, you know, like chat to people and get that word of encouragement and fire us up for the week. And it's not that that's a bad thing at all. But we need to temper that with this consistent patience that you and I are not the most important people on the planet. Uh, that God doesn't do all that he does in human history just for us. He does it because he's good. He does it for his glory. And, uh, and that should encourage us because it means God will never change. That God is loving us and caring us. And his uh, love for us is based on his goodness, not our behavior. And that is an amazing thing if you will allow that to uh, drop into your mind. See, God is in the driver's seat of history. We need to understand that. Otherwise, we will feel like prisoners of circumstance. If we don't think God is in control of our lives, uh, and if we don't think God is in control of the, the, the place we are born, the family we are born into, the circumstances we are born into, whether we are healthy or unhealthy, if we don't see that, uh, that God is involved in some way, then we would just feel angst all of the time. Now, that's not to say that God wants us to remain unwell. That's not to say that we should never strive for health. Uh, but we need to submit to uh, the things that God has for us. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12 and verse 48 for a moment. Uh, which says this, But the one who did not know, uh, now this can sound a bit convoluted, so I'll, I'll simplify it at the end. But the one who did not know and did uh, what deserved a beating, sounds like a parenting handbook, doesn't it? I'm going to get locked up now for sure. I'm, I'm sure of it. Uh, we'll receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. And so here's what we see uh, happening in the life of Paul. Paul has been given an incredible revelation. And so to simplify that verse is to say, to whom much is given, much will be required. So as we contemplate the mystery of God, uh, this revelation that he received, that God is integrating all people from all over the earth into the family of God, not just Israel, not just the Jews as God's chosen people, but God was going to integrate all kinds of people, uh, which Paul would have only known as the Gentiles. He was saying, you guys who were formerly out, you are in now. And so there's this beautiful integration. So Paul is aware of this beautiful piece of knowledge. I cannot think of anything else that is more exciting for those of us who are not Israel, who are not Jewish, because we now get to become a part of the body of God. And so Paul had this revelation and as a result, much was required from him. He was given much and now he finds himself in prison, uh, enduring beatings. Uh, this man suffered ridicule. 
Uh, he suffered in so many ways, but he was willing to suffer for the sake of Christ. Um, you know, I was reading a little bit uh, about Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, and and uh, the time, uh, what he accomplished really in Germany and how he spoke out against Hitler. Um, and it was just fascinating to me that the very message of Christianity is essentially the opposite message that Hitler had. And so Hitler had this message. He believed that he was empowered by God to create a superior race, uh, that they would be the ones who would rise to power. This one singular superior race that would come in and be the superpower and they would lead with uh, not a democracy, but a leader. And, and Hitler, he believed, was that leader. Well, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer had different knowledge. So he was a theologian. Uh, this was a man who read the scriptures, understood the scriptures. And he, he read those scriptures and he thought, no, God is not building one superior race. God is pulling in people from all over the world to be a part of his body. Uh, that's why I, I pray that even in Torquay, we could look like a multi-ethnic church. You know, I've kick-started that. We've got the Marads now and, and we've got the Ruffs, a few others, you know, in there. Uh, the Gleasons, don't worry, I haven't forgotten about you. Once you start this, I'm going to get in trouble, I'm sure. But, you know, all of us people from different, different ethnicities, that's what God is doing. He is pulling people in. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew this. So at the age of 27, uh, he hopped on uh, a, the uh, radio and he was a part of a broadcast speaking out against Hitler. I mean, what courage at 27 years old. He spoke up and he spoke out against Hitler and his broadcast was cut off short. Uh, I can understand why. Hitler was threatened by this correct information getting out there. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer believed that to be silent when you've got such a revelation is an evil itself. To say nothing is to say something. And it is to be complicit in, uh, in what is evil and what is taken place. Uh, the sad thing is, is that uh, Bonhoeffer was hung three, uh, a couple of days sorry, before uh, America came in and liberated the prisoner of war camps. Uh, he lost his life just before it all uh, was was freed and taken place. But he, he knew that he was going to his eternal home. And so he knew that for him to believe what he believed, it had to come at a cost. Um, he had the opportunity to leave Germany, but I think he actually went back. I'll have to read it again. He went back and decided that he had to suffer with the people. Uh, what a man of God to be able to do that. And so... Bonhoeffer is famous for essentially saying this quote, Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And so what is the secret that we are aware of? You know, are you aware that God is wanting to reconcile with people? Uh, that, that God is building a global church. You know, to, to receive such knowledge and to be a Christian, I believe, is to be internally motivated to share this good news with others. Uh, it's not just something that, that I or anybody else can externally motivate you to do. 
And it is something that must come from God and we are uh, internally motivated by God. So let's continue reading in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 to 13. He says, Of this gospel, so the gospel being that God is reconciling all peoples, and that is the good news. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Notice there that it's a gift. It's not a work, but it is a gift. Gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose hope over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Um, so some amazing things that we see Paul really essentially doing there. Um, Paul talks about the um, unsearchable riches of Christ. So if you and I think we've pretty much got a good handle on uh, on Christ's good points, we would be wrong. See, Paul had this deeper understanding that the, the beauty of Christ is unsearchable, that you could spend the rest of eternity exploring the beauty of Christ, the glory of God, uh, how incredible the Holy Spirit is, and you would never run out of things uh, to explore. His riches and his beauty is unsearchable. The next thing Paul does is that he lowers himself. He calls himself the least of all the saints. He lowers himself and he uh, glorifies God. He raises Christ and he lowers himself. Um, you know, too often we, we actually fill ourselves up with a bit of pride. Uh, we, maybe we think we're pretty good and we, we know a lot of scripture and we know what to do and we know how to behave in the Christian context and we've got maybe a, a Christian posse. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up. Uh, but, you know, we've got Christians around us. We're affirmed by other people and it can lead to a sense of ego, but it shouldn't be so. The more we know Christ, we should exude humility. And if you trace back uh, Paul's statements about himself and about Christ through his writings, you actually see that the longer he writes, the greater the distance becomes between him and Christ. He knows that he is the least of all the saints. Even though you and I would look at Paul and think, wow, I could only imagine being as godly as him one day. Paul calls himself the least of all the saints and he elevates uh, Christ. And then we see that the, this mystery has been brought to light, that God is the creator, which just simply means he has been around from before time. You know, how are we going to ever fully understand a God who pre-exists time? Uh, this is essentially the argument that uh, God had with Job when Job was accusing God of, being, uh, of not being good 
because he allowed bad circumstances to happen. And God's answer to Job is, where were you when I created everything? In short, he's saying essentially, Job, you're not God. How can you question God when you weren't even there? God doesn't even justify himself. He doesn't say, well, you know, I really am good and this is what I'm doing in the, in the bigger picture of things. You know, when you're not aware of what's happening, uh, when you only see one set of footprints, it was then, Job, that I carried you. God doesn't do that. God says to Job, he says, I'm God. That is, that's basically God's answer. And it would do well for us to be patient in our Christianity if we could just settle in our heart as Paul does here. God is God. And we can trust him. God has good plans. God has great plans for us. It doesn't always happen in the nitty gritty of our life. But God is good. And just like Bonhoeffer, even if uh, he, he lost his life and yet he said, my life is only beginning, was what he said when he was hung. So what an amazing thing. So we see here by these next verses, we see that God has a plan. We see that God is in control. Sometimes we think God is not in control. We say God is in control. And we see that God is reaching the world through the church. I find that last point the most ludicrous of all the points. Uh, that God is expressing, as the scripture says, his manifold wisdom uh, through the church. Uh, that is really fascinating to me. Uh, it is interesting that he doesn't say by the church uh, because it's not really just a work of us. I, th I think it means this. I think it means that God is showing his grace as he is building a body for himself by the way he interacts with broken, uh, repentant, sinful humans. And he shows his grace to them. Because when I think of the church, I think of the fact that it's it's a bit of a mess. It doesn't matter which church you go into. Unfortunately, uh, we're all just a mess because it's full of people. And the moment that you uh, maybe jumped on this stream right now, this stream stopped being a perfect stream because you're on it, because I'm on it, because we are broken. And so we've got to understand that the church is broken because people are broken. And the more you look at a church, the more you get involved with people, you realize people are broken. People are devastated. And yet God is doing something profoundly beautiful through the strugglers, through the doubters, through the people who are willing to learn, who are humble in heart, who see the hand of God over the passage of time, who decide to not be addicted to instant Christianity, but they know that God is in the driver's seat of history, that God is sovereign, that God has the greater plan. What happens is we start to become those. As we trust him, we become the very people through whom which God is expressing to the world his manifold wisdom, uh, not our wisdom. See, our wisdom really wants to split every single issue in the world. Um, on two sides. We want to have a left and a right. Uh, we want to have uh, the scientific and the natural. We, we want to have everything. Everything is political in this day and age. Even the very food you eat is political. It's all split. 
And so what our wisdom is full of sides and this and that and, and, and what we want to do in separating. We don't have the wisdom to run anything. We do the best we can. Um, and yet God, with his manifold wisdom, in the light of eternity, there, there will be no confusion as there is now. Uh, God is ushering in a kingdom that is perfect. The kingdom of God is perfect. It is full of his presence. Uh, and God, for some reason, is choosing to express his manifold wisdom uh, through us, the church. And that doesn't mean uh, <clears throat> the church, meaning everybody who attends church. Uh, because the scripture is quite clear that there will be those in the church who are not of uh, God's church. Uh, there'll be those who infiltrate uh, the ranks, who will not be true Christians. Uh, you or I cannot judge if a person really is a Christian. Only God knows their heart. Only God knows their state of repentance and if they have accepted uh, Christ's finished work on the cross. So this all culminates as we come to a close in Psalm chapter 72 and verse 17. It says, May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him and all nations call him blessed. This is really the, the bigger picture. Uh, this is what Paul was made aware of. That God is wanting to bless all nations. That people from all nations would call him blessed. That those from all over the world would come together. That they wouldn't be separated by male and female and, and black and white and, and all the different political parties. But we would have one thing in common and that is Christ. And so I want to encourage you today the way Paul encourages us at the end of Ephesians. Uh, he has his eye on the bigger picture. He has his eye on the idea that God is in the driver's seat, that God is in control, that, that God is the one who uh, has the big plan and we need to be patient for that. And this is what Paul ends with in this part of the scripture. He says, So I ask you to not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for, uh, sorry, which is your glory. See, there is something about us that when we see that God is in control, uh, rather than trying to control God, some, too, too, too often we're too busy trying to control God. If you think about our prayers. God, do this. Oh, Lord, would you do this? God, accomplish that. We're trying to control God. Now, we can bring our needs before him, and we should do that as children, but we need to say, God, if it's your will, would you accomplish this or that? See, Paul says, do not lose heart. And I want to encourage you guys today. Let's not ride uh, the merry-go-round of, of like just, you know, being frustrated that things aren't happening to a specific timeline, uh, becoming those people who are uh, just trying to impress God with our good works. Uh, we need to be those who are resting in the knowledge that God is in control of everything. Uh, that God is good, even though we experience tough times. Uh, we need to be those who exude patience to the world around us. That when everyone else is losing heart, that when everyone else is stressed out of their mind because bad things are happening, 
uh, that we say, actually, my hope is not anchored to my circumstance. Uh, my hope is that God will bring me into his kingdom. Uh, and so we have a greater hope than our circumstance. Uh, we have a great reason for patience because God is good. So I'd encourage you guys, uh, bless you all. I know that essentially I'm preaching to the converted. I know uh, that you get it. I see many of you demonstrate this. I see you as you struggle trusting God and reminding yourself of his goodness. And I've also benefited massively from those of you who have reminded me, God is good. God is in control. Uh, he is building his church. And even this season, while we are uh, in quarantine and in our homes and things are not as they should be, God is in control. And we are not prisoners to Nero, but we are, we are prisoners to Christ in this time uh, of history. So God bless you guys and uh, thanks for joining in. Uh, there would be no church without your attendance. Uh, there would be no online service without your comments, without you streaming in. Um, so we don't take that for granted. Uh, we love you guys and I look forward to interacting with you. Uh, I have seen a few things. Uh, I saw a, a comment from Phil a little bit early. Oh, I, I missed the Yeah Habibi from Aaron. Thank you very much. Uh, such a show of affection. Um, so yeah, guys, continue to bless and encourage each other. Uh, we're going to jump on a, on a Zoom call this Thursday. Um, and want to thank you to the many of you who have been uh, cooking for each other, who have been calling one another. Um, you know, and if you've missed some of that, if for some reason somebody hasn't contacted you or you're, you've not contacted somebody, uh, would you just let us know so that we can make sure that you don't you know, slip through the cracks? Um, we don't want anyone to feel alone. And um, God has got you. So bless you guys. And uh, have a fantastic day, and we will see you soon. God bless.